0: here we go it's episode seven of rj bell's dream preview the nba edition with myself joe sorallo and my man Mackenzie rivers we are hot we are coming off an episode where for the second time in the previous six episodes we both hit our best bets mckenzie man it was a sweat out but you got that nuggets plus two against utah the other night
1: Monte Morris, thank you, sir. You hit that three with 20 seconds to go, and we survived. Plus two, plus one and a half both cashed for Denver Denver Nuggets backers. 58% on the season, seven and five. It's a small sample size, but we're gonna keep it rolling, keep that pace up, and keep giving you some winners.
0: Yeah, you stick with us. You're gonna make some money. Hey, let's get into the probably most talked-about story in the NBA over the past 24 hours: the return of Kyrie. Irving came back and the Nets took down the Indiana Pacers. By the way, that game was a betters nightmare. Did you see how that game ended, McKenzie?
1: Yes. Get to the number <laughs> early, folks. That in the morning was Nets minus five and a half. Easy money wasn't sweating the last minute at all if you got down at Nets minus five and a half. If you got there late to the party, what a what a heartbreaker. Nets plus eight and a half didn't quite get there.
0: Yeah, that, that one closed at the uh, Nets minus eight and a half. And then that last second layup by Indiana. Took it from a 10-point game to an 8-point final. That is the kind of game that makes you cringe. You'll catch that one on uh, Bad Beats at the end of the night for sure. But what was your biggest takeaway from Kyrie's return Wednesday night in Indiana?
1: It kind of went to script as far as I'm concerned. We talked about on the last podcast, there's a lot of newness when it comes to a guy that is an all-star, is a is a is um, one of the most ball-dominant players in the league just because he deserves to be he's going to get his shots he's going to get his assists he's going to get his ops all that added to a team that was already running pretty well one of the best records in the east was going to cause some disruption so i'm recommended best bet uh, bonus best bet on the last pod pacers first quarter they were about well if you got there early it was only one and a half ended up plus three and a half but they covered all numbers easy they won by five and then the nets of last season that had the best offensive rating ever when they were on the court, historical stuff, astronomical stuff, when these three were on the court together, that's kind of what we saw again. The Nets played 17 minutes with the big three again. They outscored a not great, but okay. Pacers team by 17 points in 16 minutes. I mean, they they picked up the ball where they left off. They were really, really efficient with the big three together. Whether uh, having one or two off and how to negotiate that and how to keep the bench as strong without taking away from the starting five. They'll work that out down the road, but yeah, the Nets long-term, there's a reason they're the title favorites. I think Wednesday night was a good example of that. They just got so much firepower.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was a good game. I might not be as high on Brooklyn as you sound right now, at least. Um, Look, for Kyrie, he did what he was supposed to do, right? He went out there, he, uh, he shot well, although his lack of three-point shooting really surprised me. Only attempted two, didn't hit one. I mean, this is a guy who ever since going back to his last year in Cleveland, he's pretty much averaged about three makes per game, just under that number, about 2.8, on about seven attempts. I mean, he's been about a 40% three-point shooter, and that's been a huge part of his game. Like I said, he's been shooting on average seven threes a night for the last five, six years. Only took two, that kind of surprised me. And look, I mean, it's not like he's coming back from an injury, right? Obviously, he's got to get his legs underneath him in terms of, you know, competition-wise, but this is a guy who has still been in the gym. He's still been getting reps up, and he looked a little hesitant to to shoot, although when he did inside the arc, he was pretty efficient. Um, Lack of passing, too, that kind of surprised me. I mean, he's always been, you know, even though he's a scorer, he's always been a great facilitator, and I didn't really see that. He did seem about a step behind, so... I don't know. I mean, things worked out for Brooklyn. Durant also had a monster game. And I I think really that's the biggest storyline for the Nets because Lance Stevenson is the reason Indiana was in this. No one saw that coming, but it was Durant who kept Brooklyn above the Pacers, especially in that second half. You know, like I said, Kyrie looked good. He didn't wow me. Uh, I wasn't like, oh man, they've been missing him. He had a good game. Uh, There's a lot more that he can add. For me, the biggest thing from Kyrie was that differential of plus 16. Uh, I think that shows that You know, they were being efficient, they were being productive when he was on the court. And that, of course, is what you're looking for when a guy makes a return, right? How does it affect the other four guys? How does it affect the team as a whole? And plus 16, I believe that was the second best differential of any Brooklyn net in that game. That's a pretty good number. But my biggest takeaway is that I think this is the time to jump on another team if you're looking at title odds. I think the Golden State Warriors plus 500 right now is the best play on the market. You know, Kyrie returning made the Nets odds less favorable it made Golden State more favorable I don't think the Warriors odds will be all that favorable once Clay returns and gets back to form so right now plus 500 this might be the best odds for a better the rest of the season if you're looking to take Golden State so if you like the Warriors you don't even have to love them but if you like them right now is the time plus 500 that's my biggest takeaway in terms of domino effects of Kyrie's return
1: first off I agree with that that the Warriors at plus 500 have value I think that's a as a pocket you're going to be happy to have, a ticket that you're going to be happy to have in your pocket, also plus 250 if you want to get your money a little earlier to win the West, makes a lot of sense for the Warriors. Now you mentioned Kyrie Irving's passing, only four assists, but the team ended up with 28. That's a very good number. That's the thing, if you're doubled, and I've said this all the time about Steph Curry, if you're doubled 30 feet from the basket and you got an assist, in my opinion, you probably did something wrong. Because most likely, if you're a point guard, you're bringing the ball up and they're trapping you, you got to get the ball up right away because that's the move. That's how you're going to keep the offense running. And then that guy that you give the ball to, he's going to be about 25 feet from the basket. They're going to send help at him. That's usually Draymond Green in Curry's case. And then he's going to get the assist. You're going to get the hockey assist, or maybe it'll be a couple passes down the line. But unselfishness and assists have been linked together, and they should be unyoked, to use a Shakespeare term. You really... Have to look at the game, how the ball's moving. Kevin Durant said it like this last night. It was amazing to have Kyrie out there. I missed his presence in the locker room, his energy around the team. His game is just so beautiful. It makes the game so much easier for everybody out there. The game of basketball is happy to have him back. And they didn't play a great game, even though they they failed to cover the number against the Pacers. Not a very good team, a team on the downtick. But long-term, I agree with Kevin Durant. There's a there's a magic to Kyrie Irving's game and James Harden's game and Kevin Durant's game and the magic is that it doesn't take away from the other two. And that's why their offense so far they've played uh, 15 games together, they're 12 and 3. And if you just, you know, extrapolate, it would be the best offense we've ever seen. It'd be better than the than the Warriors that set the numbers. It'd be better than this Jazz team that has is running away with number 1 offensive rating in the league this year's Jazz team. They've just been dynamic and I don't think it's because they're all great shooters. I don't think it's only because they're all great shooters, great one-on-one players. I think it's because they're, they're willing to sacrifice, like the Golden State Warriors are, who are <laughs> a good bet at plus 500. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's wild. The thing that sticks out to me the most right there is that they've only played 15 games together. You mentioned the Nets are 12-3 and three when those three guys are on the court. And to me, that is the eye-popping stat. Right there, that over the past two seasons, they have only been on the court together 15 games. And that to me is also a major concern when it comes to, you know, are the Nets a good bet to win the title? Right now, they're at plus 250 or plus 260, I've seen. And it makes me wonder, you know, when those guys are healthy, when they're all out there, yeah, Brooklyn is the most talented team in basketball, bar none. But that has been such an infrequent occurrence. And, you know, Kevin Durant has proven to be you know, one of the three most talented players, of course, in the NBA. I don't think you can dispute he's top three talent wise, but he's proven to be a bit fragile. Kyrie has been inconsistent in terms of health and off the court, just, you know, oddness. He's still not playing home games, which we'll get into when we talk about the Nets Bucks tomorrow night or tonight as this podcast drops, uh, the game that's going to be in Brooklyn that Kyrie will be unavailable for. And then I can't believe I'm saying this. I think James Harden has actually been the most consistent member of the Nets uh, in the past year and a half, just in terms of staying on the court. So right now, when they're all out there, yes, things look great. You know, you mentioned that they underperformed because they didn't cover. Again, a bad beat, Indiana with the layup uncontested in the final two, three seconds of that one is the only reason Brooklyn didn't cover. It's still about a double digit win when you get down to the meat and potatoes of the game. But it's a matter of not, not just how talented they are when they're out there together, but if they can be out there together consistently, that's why I'm not really in love with with the Nets down the line.
1: No doubt. And in Vegas, we say they met expectations. We don't say that. I mean, when you think about it realistically, especially because you could have got different numbers, eight, seven and a half, eight and a half. It was a uh, Fezusic, Steve Fezic, the only two time champion of the Westgate Super Contest. You might have heard on these on these airwaves before. He, he says the phrase, uh, it's Plinko at that point. It's the ball's bouncing, and if you have the Nets plus 8.5, you got a 50-50 shot. If you got the Pacers plus 8.5, you got a 50-50 shot. And if you win or lose, you really can't take anything out of it as far as handicapping for future games. Speaking of handicapping for future games, what do you make of Brooklyn, Sands, Kyrie Irving? And you might not have heard, Milwaukee Bucks will be Sands, their point guard, Drew Holiday. What do you think about that matchup on Friday? Right now, I'm looking at Brooklyn is a three and a half point favorite at FanDuel. You know, not a settled market yet, but FanDuel puts these up early, hosting the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: I can't wait for this game. I mean, right now, I think that the biggest X factor there is Holiday. Also, don't forget, and we can get into this after we break this game down, that the Milwaukee Bucks will be without DeMarcus Cousins, who they've just let go. And, you know, Cousins wasn't a big impact guy necessarily in terms of minutes. But when he went out there for those 17 minutes per game on average that he delivered, they were a really productive 17 minutes. And going up against a team like the Brooklyn Nets that really doesn't have a strong uh, member of that roster in the paint, you know, I mean, the Nets, their guys are Durant, Harden, when he's out there, Kyrie, I mean, Durant, you know, he can play a stretch four, but he's a scorer, Harden and Kyrie, both guards, obviously, Boogie Cousins could have been really useful in a matchup like this in terms of post-domination, Giannis is still a dominant enough post player that I think he'll be able to make up for that. But this is a tough game. The Nets are a completely different team at home, and it's not for the better. They're only 10-9 straight up at home and just 4-14 against the spread in the Barclays Center. Now, look, the Milwaukee Bucks are not, by any stretch of the imagination, a good team to bet on this season, but their most redeeming quality is that they're 11-9 against the spread on the road. So you got eleven and nine on the road for Milwaukee. You got just four and fourteen. The worst mark in basketball at home for Brooklyn. They're also ten and twenty as a favorite, which is also the worst mark in the NBA. And I'm leaning Bucks plus three and a half. You know, holiday's a big loss, but so is Kyrie. And at the end of the day, when it comes down to things, Giannis has shown the ability to take over when these two teams meet. He did it last year in the postseason. I think both teams are treating this like a playoff game. Uh, I mean, this is a this is a great game. It's gonna be a fun one. I'm leaning bucks plus three and a half, but I'm also with the absence of Boogie Cousins leaning on the over on a player prop uh that would be anything points plus rebounds for Giannis.
1: I'm leaning toward the Bucks as well. My power ratings with the absences that we mentioned make it only nets minus two and a half, so there's a point of value right there already on the game spread. I have another bet. That I like in this game even more. But before that, and we're kind of mixing up our uh, our format here, which which I intend to do. I think the games and the subplots go together so so beautifully together. It's nice to to intersplice them. And in our notes here, you mentioned and as you just mentioned, the Bucks have cut the Marcus Cousins. It seems like only yesterday he was on ESPN.com. You know, huge article hits a big three, they win the game without any of their players playing. Wow, Boogie's back. What do you think of this move? What do you think of the Bucks cutting former All-NBA DeMarcus Cousins?
0: I mean, I think it's obvious why they did it, right? It's strictly a salary cap move because they don't want to pay him. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, that this move is going to be detrimental to the Bucs. You know, I- I've been big on so far since we've been doing this show now, we're in episode seven, that I'm not a Brooklyn Net believer, that I don't think the Nets are going to be coming out of the Eastern Conference. Well, That means that in all likelihood, if the Nets don't, the Bucs probably will be that team to do it a second straight year. And that task just got a hell of a lot harder without DeMarcus Cousins. You know, I just don't see how this benefits anyone on the Bucs. I mean, Giannis now has to work harder in the regular season because obviously the goal is get that one seed. And, you know, Boogie was a body banger. Giannis is an MVP. This is not a guy that you want to forced to be the most physical guy on the court at all times and with DeMarcus Cousins out there you alleviate some of that from Giannis now you're asking him to do even more and looking at Boogie I mean he's been selfless right people earlier in his career I think had concerns about his character back when he was with Sacramento and I think what we've learned from that is that Sacramento will make anyone have character concerns because Boogie I think has been a really good teammate everywhere he's gone after the Kings so you look at the reduced role he played this year. I mentioned 17 minutes. In those 17 minutes per game, he averaged nine points per game and six boards per contest. Now, if you go per 36 minutes, that's better than averaging 18 and 12. Uh, that, that's a hell of a job for a guy who is a spot starter, bench role player. I mean, 18 and 12 and 36 minutes, those, those are some really productive minutes he's giving you in, in uh, whatever role you're asking him to perform in. Not only that, he's not forced in Milwaukee to be a top two option or even a top three option, right? He can be your fourth or fifth option. And when you look in terms of depth, because this is a star driven league and a lot of teams are looking to win with big twos or big threes and they forget about depth. I mean, Boogie Cousins was a hell of a depth piece for Milwaukee. So, you know, he, he gave them some reliability and some consistency past Giannis, past Middleton, past Holiday. So losing him, I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to land somewhere on his feet. To me, the Bucs are the really big loser here.
1: Historically, the NBA has been about your top six guys. The last few years, really, since the Raptors won, you could arguably the last, argue the last three champions have won because of their depth. And last year, the Suns and the Bucks both had to rely on depth at various points. Chris Paul out, Giannis out, Devin Booker out. <laughs> it was a war of attrition last year in the playoffs, and... You know, guys like Cameron Payne stepping up made the difference in a lot of these games. So we'll see. I mean, it's still crazy times. Thankfully, uh, this was the first podcast of four that we didn't have to start with big news. COVID is ravaging the league. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, COVID, by the way, also helped me out in the best bet. Gobert, for the second time in history, has made news. This time, much, much, much less news. He's on the COVID list. He missed the last game. Although I did kind of like the Jokic matchup. I was looking into it in the last four games. Jokic has really figured out Gobert. shooting 70% on him, scoring 33 points per game since their playoff series. So, arguably, I would have liked the Nuggets better if if Gobert played because he challenges them, and Jokic has been up to the challenge recently. Anyway, speaking of Jokic, how he excels in the first half, Giannis has been a similar story. They're plus 4.4 points, the Milwaukee Bucks, in the first half. That's better than their overall game margin. You talk about the depth the Bucks have. A lot of it, a lot of their successes is just all they hit you in the mouth right away, first quarter, first half, with the freak athleticism of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Having having that bottled, having a few more games where you can say, "Hey, you know, save that," and you know, we'll need it for the playoffs. I think would be valuable. I think you raise some strong points. But because I like the Bucks overall, I think they're undervalued in this game. I think, yeah, the revenge factor, the Nets will really want it, but the Bucs bring it every game. My power ratings make this Nets minus 2.5, current markets 3.5. I'm going to go ahead and isolate again the first half. Bucks best bet, this hasn't come out yet, but it's going to be around plus 1.5 to plus 2. I'll say plus 1.5 is the buy price. Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, the Nets are exactly even first half, second half plus 1.7 per game. But the bucks have been pronounced better in the first half. I'm going to take them, take the value might be close. Like it was with the nuggets jazz might come down to the final bucket. But when you have the value, when you have the plus points, oftentimes you get there.
0: Well, I'll I'll say this. If the bucks are plus two and a half, I'm going to go ahead and take them money line in this one. I, you know, I don't really, and you're really good at, at handicapping first halves, I don't really go half by half. I I just, I haven't had success the few times I've gone at it. I like to look at the whole game. If they're plus two and a half or lower bucks, money line plus three or higher.
1: There is a line out right now. The bucks are plus three and a half at several bucks. You could bet right now.
0: So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the points there. I'm going to take bucks plus uh, three and a half in this one, by the way, just because you mentioned the, uh, the Jokic and your first half nuggets, best bet. I've been putting out lately daily best bets on my socials. You can find them. I put reels up almost every day on my Instagram at Joe Sorallo. And yesterday, I made the Utah Jazz minus two and a half my best bet of the day. And when I saw that Gobert was out, Mackenzie, I'm not going to lie. I was shitting bricks, man. (laughs) That, That one really worried me seeing that Gobert was out because we had talked about it on the last episode when even though my best bet was Grizzlies plus three and a half and they ended up winning outright. I said I loved Utah. At the time, it was minus three and a half against the Nuggets. Yesterday, it came down to two and a half, and I thought that was because of Joe Ingles, so I hammered the Jazz minus two and a half. Then all of a sudden, that game opened, Nuggets minus one. First time all season, the Utah Jazz were an underdog. They are now 1-0 and oh as an underdog <laughs> on the year. But uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was getting nervous when I saw that Gobert was out because we talked about it, and I'd said I was banking On him neutralizing Jokic in the paint, you know, multiple time defensive player of the year, Jokic is responsible for all of the Nuggets offense at the moment with, you know, all of the injuries and underperformances that they've had this season. There was a stretch in the third quarter. Jokic himself had 10 straight points. And all I'm thinking as I'm watching that and I'm biting my nails as the Nuggets are chipping away, all I'm thinking is, man, if Gobert was out there, Jokic would not have 10 straight points. But now back to Boogie Cousins McKenzie. I have to ask, because I have two teams in mind, where do you see being the best fit for him? Because I'd imagine this guy's got to go to a contender, am I right?
1: If I'm Boogie, that's the only thing I care about. I mean, I've made decent money in my career. Uh, I mean, when he went to the Warriors, it was about rehabilitating his image. People know that he's very good, but there's a lot of very, very good NBA players that aren't in the NBA. They're in Israel or Turkey, because people often say this about the NFL. You don't need a celebrity backup quarterback. You don't need the attention that Boogie Cousins, former All-Pro, former All-Star Boogie Cousins brings if he's not one of your top seven guys. So that becomes the difficulty. Teams that would use him, uh, like a bad team like the Pistons or something, are of no interest to him. And he is of no interest to a team like Milwaukee. Uh, apparently he's not. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I said that as an example without realizing that he was just cut from Milwaukee. But apparently he's not one of their top seven guys, and they don't want uh, that attention. I think the same thing could be said about the Suns. DeAndre Ayton isn't giving up enough minutes to make it worth his while. So Golden State tried that, moved on. I would say right now, Brooklyn makes sense. And maybe Chicago makes sense. What do you think?
0: So I'm with you on Brooklyn. Chicago, I I wasn't thinking as much. Brooklyn, I'm with you a 1000%. And to me, that could be a kiss of death for Milwaukee. If Boogie Cousins goes from the Bucks to the Nets, and I know, look, each team has their own big three in their own right. The Nets have three Hall of Famers. The Bucks have one lock Hall of Famer and two guys who, you know, have put together extraordinary careers in their own right. So Boogie isn't a top three guy on either team, but if he makes that jump, I have a feeling when these two meet, and I don't say if, I say when these two meet in the playoffs, Boogie is going to quietly Lay some destruction on the Bucks in that series. You look at what the Nets have in the post right now, and it really isn't much. I, I mean I like Nick Claxton, always did going back to his Georgia days, but for him to be starting at the five on a Nets team of this caliber on a title contender, I'm sorry. All due respect, I don't think Nick Claxton should be starting for a team that is the favorite in the NBA to win an NBA title. I think Boogie Cousins could slide in there, and maybe you keep Claxton as a starter and they split time. Maybe Boogie starts for them. I think Boogie should be starting at the five on this Nets team if they sign him. And I think that he could quietly just clean up, bang bodies, and play some damn good basketball. But the other team, for me, McKenzie, it is not the Bulls. It's the LA Lakers. Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis have played together before. Cousins played about 48 games that year, if I'm not mistaken, but they spent one year together in New Orleans And it was the best year the Pelicans have had since 2015. In fact, it was their only winning season since 2015 and their best season since they were the New Orleans Hornets back in 08-09 in terms of their win total. Back in the 2017-2018 season when these two played together, not only did they make the playoffs, they won 48 games, got a sixth seed in the West, and they swept the Portland Trailblazers in the opening round of the postseason. Anthony Davis averaged 28 and 11 that year. Boogie averaged 25 and a team high 13 boards per contest that year. Also averaged a career high 5.5 assists per game as Anthony Davis's teammate. And then those two guys combined for four blocks per contest. You look at the Lakers right now, and yes, the Lakers are finally hot. They're getting in a rhythm. LeBron James had to start at the center position the other night, and it wasn't the first time this season. That he's done so. The Lakers are really lacking in size with Anthony Davis sidelined. Yes, Dwight came off the bench, had a really good game, had 14 points, 14 boards, but we haven't seen that from Dwight a whole lot this season. I think Boogie Cousins might be able to make more of an impact on the Lakers than he would the Brooklyn Nets, but either of those two teams you can't miss, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I threw out Chicago there just literally because I'm going down my list and I'm like, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense, and hey, you know. There's real no center to dislodge in Chicago, especially because Nikola Vucevic is only playing about half the games nowadays. But I eliminated the Lakers last. Literally, I was this close to going Brooklyn Lakers, just like you, because those two make sense relatively compared to the rest of the league. But the Lakers, I paused and I ended up going with the Bulls instead because Dwight Howard has been pretty good, and Dwight Howard you would think would fill that role. But here's why I'm starting to change my mind. I'm starting to agree with you that the Lakers make a lot of sense. You mentioned the Anthony Davis to Marcus Cousins bond. That seems to be real. Both of them have talked about it regularly, and it seems like they would like to join up. Dwight Howard excels in, I mean, for, you know, top 100-level players like Howard and, and Cousins. If you look at what they're good at, Howard is really good at, you know, rebounding defense, typical center stuff but he can't score at all. DeMarcus Cousins is probably less athletic than you would like in a starting center. He's slower than he used to be. And he has never been a defensive stalwart, but he can hit a three and he's got boogie. He's got post moves. He can, he can, he can shake you. So going down a playoff stretch where, you know, your four guys and the Miami heat did this. They had big Z by the way, he made the all-star team just like Ralph Sampson did. So, you (laughs) you know, do with do that way, what you will. But they had Big Z for some games. They had Joel Anthony, who was about six inches shorter than Big Z for some games. And they said, you know, what do we need for a particular playoff matchup? That, I think, they could add to their quiver if they had DeMarcus Cousins and Dwight Howard, both to put Anthony Davis at his preferred and probably better position, the power forward position, at least for much of the game. In the fourth quarter, you can go small. You can do whatever you want to do. But that makes a lot of sense to me. I would, I would definitely think both of those two – both of those teams, maybe even the Lakers more than the Nets would be improved with, with with adding Cousins.
0: Yeah, you know, man, the more that you highlight it and the more I think about a rotation of those three big guys, AD, Boogie, Dwight. I mean, when Boogie's out there, it's an offensive juggernaut. When Dwight's out there, AD can do his thing and Dwight can rim protect and, you know, be that old school tough muscle in the post. Man, I'm salivating at that, at that thought. I, I mean, all of a sudden, I know, you know, we're in the era of the three-point shot over the past decade or so, but all of a sudden, man, the Lakers have toughness. And then you throw in, oh, by the way, LeBron James on that, and Russ Westbrook, if he's at, you know, if he's on, if his game is on, we've talked a lot of bad about Russ this year because he's given us plenty of reason to, but when his game is on, he is one of the most athletic, exciting players to watch in the NBA. Man, that Lakers team could be a lot of fun. A lot of old names, a lot of 2015 All-Stars on that team. But nonetheless, a lot of really dominant players in their own right. And Boogie to the Lakers, I'm starting to like that a little more than Boogie to the Nets, which was probably my preferred choice going into this conversation.
1: Speaking of old heads, it was the Mavs' Dirk Nowitzki who retired Wednesday night. Shout out to our own Dave Esler, Uncle Dave, who had his game of the year in the NBA on the Mavericks. Ended up getting it done. Jason Kidd had some few jokes. Apparently he would sign Dirk if, if given the opportunity. Dirk apparently... Is good. Is good. Doesn't doesn't really need to come back to the NBA after after a couple of years off. But what you make of the whole thing? Uh, do you think potentially that we've just seen the 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 Jersey retirement of the greatest foreign basketball player of all time, arguably?
0: Ooh. Okay. So foreign, I have to say no, um, because Hakeem Olajuwon is a foreign basketball player.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I was baiting you. I was baiting you. Your notes say best European of all time potentially and I I wanted to bait you, but you answered correctly, my friend. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. Hakim, look, Hakim the Dream for me is not number 2 on my list, like I believe he is yours, but he's certainly top 10. And Dirk, as much as I love him, is probably closer to 20th on my list than 10th. Is he the best European, however, of all time? A year or two ago, I would have said yes, but you know, I know he's only 27. It's becoming convincingly clearer and clearer that Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, if he isn't already, will be known as the greatest European basketball player of all time.
1: I hadn't considered that because like most Americans, I am a racist (laughs) and I didn't consider Giannis as a European player. And I say that jokingly, racism is nothing to joke about, but I do think we all have uh, biases. And the fact that I didn't see this Giannis as what he is, the best European player of all time. I don't think it's arguable now that you mention it. Um, I mean, he doesn't have the career of Dirk Nowitzki, but I think if you're talking about talent, if you're talking about peak, yeah, Giannis right now has been better than Dirk ever was. So anyway, um, yes, Dirk Nowitzki, underrated player all time, top 25 player all time. But the fact that in the NBA, if you're a a point guard, you don't have to play as much defense. It doesn't matter that much. Tony Parker, Derrick Rose can be, the point guard on a great defensive team and not be that great at defense. When you're a big man, it really comes down to you and one other guy to be the anchor on defense. Dirk Davitsky, one of the great players of all time, an average defender in his best and his best years. So that that keeps him, that puts him down a peg. But he changed the game. Uh the trail three is now, is now a staple in the NBA. It used to be he was really the only guy that did that.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, you compare the two and Dirk, I think also, you know, a lot of people on their list, if they want to make the argument for him, it's because of likability, right? I mean, he is just one of the all-time good guys, but, uh, you know, I I want to bring attention to the fact that he is the sixth leading scorer in league history. I I mean, that's pretty remarkable. You know, you look at, um, at sixth leading score. he's top 25 in rebounding, top 15 block shots, but, you know, while he's top 15 block shots after a 20 or so year career, A guy like Giannis, who already is a defensive player of the year, a three-time All-NBA defensive first-team player, uh, two-time MVP. He's already got one more MVP than Dirk, who did have one. Giannis has a ring just like Dirk, has a finals MVP just like Dirk. I I mean, all of this at age 27. Look, I know Dirk is sixth all-time in points. Giannis is somewhere in the top, I believe, 240 all-time in points. Giannis is, when it's all said and done, going to be known as the best European player ever, though.
1: Here's the stat you need to know about Dirk Nowitzki. He has 31,000 points of all time. If you add up the next two highest scorers, Dallas Mavericks of all time, you get about 29,000. He's literally doubled up. I mean, he is the Dallas Mavericks. They might be the um Seattle Mavericks if it wasn't for Dirk Nowitzki. He, he's the, been the staple of that franchise. He's the reason they have 10, 15 playoff appearances in the last 15 years and the reason why they have one championship. It'll be interesting to see, however, speaking of projecting decades in the future, will Luka Doncic one day, potentially, surpass 31,000 points? Nobody's been as precocious as Luka, putting up 25 per game at nineteen twenty, and t- players, you know, thank, thank goodness, I uh, think the hardworking medical profession- professionals out there, players are playing longer and longer and longer. We see this across sports in 10, 15 years. It might even be more extreme than we see now. So prop bet, I'll, I'll, I'm going to lay the bet. You can pick either side and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll book you. Over under 29,875 points career for Luka Doncic. You can take either side and in, in ten, fifteen years I'll uh, one of one of us will pay the other one out.
0: Yeah, you'll you'll have your people call my people in uh in fifteen years. I'm going to say under because Dirk never showed up as overweight as Luka has. Two hundred and sixty pounds, Luka Doncic is reporting to camp at. I just I, I don't know if he's going to last. You know, I, I mean Luca's already showing just a little bit of that prima donna young superstar behavior and Dirk was arguably one of the I mean I, I it's hard to say the most humble guy because I don't want to cut anyone else short but he was about the most humble guy in the league the entire time he played and he played at a really high level and he could have been a jerk because he knew he was that good but he remained humble Luca hasn't sniffed the bottom of Dirk's shoes yet and he's already got that arrogance about him I don't know how long he's going to last I'm going to say under, I don't know what the hell the number you gave was, 29800 <laughs> 29, yes. and something. I'm going to say under.
1: I think, I think you're on the right side, but I'm the bookmaker. Uh, just send me the $1,000 we agreed to. And if you're right, and I think you have a good chance of being right, I will send you $2,000 in, in a decade or so. Uh,
0: I was going to say, I want inflation accounted for there. <laughs> you, you know, Dirk winning that 2011 title is one of the most amazing feats of all time. And I know that that was towards the end of his career, and, you know, guys like Jason Terry and other ancillary, ancillary members of that team played a huge role in upsetting the Miami Heat that should not have lost the game all season or postseason. Is that, to you, the biggest underdog, uh, underdog
1: title in NBA history? Well, he beat Kobe Bryant in four games. He beat Kevin Durant in five games. And he beat Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James in six games. Yes, I say he beat, but he scored 25 points a game and shot about 42%, had about eight rebounds. He played fine. He played excellent. He was the best player in the playoffs, but he didn't do it by himself. They had a really, really smart, well-orchestrated team. Uh, Players played above themselves. Jason Terry outscored LeBron in the finals. Jason Kidd uh, went in the way back machine and and played like the former All-NBA player that he used to be. Sean Marion did the same thing. Definitely up there. Definitely up there as far as shocking, surprising, how did they do it in hindsight, and at the moment, uh, underdogs to win the title. Just off the top of my head, the 2004 Pistons, but they only really had one big upset. They beat the Lakers. They were they were favored in all of their other series. So, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, tweet me, at Mac and Rivers. Uh, I, I tweet, you know, a lot of plays, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of stats, a lot of graphics. At Mac and Rivers, find me on Twitter. Um, yeah, and I might be, I might be missing one, but I think you're right. I think the 2011 Mavericks, the most surprising title winners in NBA history.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Mackenzie, you're on the right track there. And to me, regardless of the numbers, I think that they are the biggest upset in finals history, but they opened up the year, uh, in the fall of, or I guess the summer of 2010 at plus 2000 to win the NBA finals. That is the second biggest underdog of all time to win it, so statistically they're not the biggest underdog. do
1: you know who is I do I do R. j. Bell, the great R.J. Bell has mentioned this stat just to say how really rare it is because it was it was I think fifty years before, without anybody outside of 10 to one winning, the Golden State Warriors the first time they won came really out of the blue. They were 25 to one or so at the start of the season
0: yes, sir twenty eight to one. They were going into the 2013-2014 season. Uh, look, I don't think when things were said and done that year, that was quite the upset in June as the Mavericks over right. the Heat was. And so that, that's what I'm going based off. You know, going into the postseason, going into the finals itself, what was the biggest upset? For me, it's Dallas and, you know, Dirk being the anchor of that team. It really speaks to him and the career he had. McKenzie, I want to get into our best bets, but first it might be a good time to remind everyone that with the college football championship game on the way and the NFL playoffs about to begin, Pregame.com has you covered for all of the big games. Look, the handicappers at Pregame.com are working hard, and right now, you can save 20% on any site purchase. Just use the coupon code TITLE20 for your 20% savings. Pregame.com has daily, weekly, monthly, and seasonal pick packages so just enter in that code TITLE20 when making a purchase, and you'll get your 20% savings. So don't miss out on the big games. Buy, win, and save at pregame.com. Again, that coupon code is TITLE20. Pregame.com. Mackenzie.
1: it's a great place for sports bettors. Yes, sir. Just recently, it became a pregame pro. I came here as an intern, got a job and kept learning kept working and now I'm a pregame pro I'm I'm doing pretty well happy with my results so far check me out and use that promo code title20
0: there you go so mckenzie let's get
1: into it my man what is your best bet for episode 7 I am sticking with the first halves <laughs> I think there is a lot a lot a lot of value when they when the when the Vegas market is very very sharp on a spread they just cut it in half and that's the first half spread there's really Not that much more analysis. So I'm going to go Friday night, the Minnesota Timberwolves, minus two and a half. I would play it at minus three. I think it's going to be minus two and a half. They're currently five-point favorites at FanDuel. Over the Oklahoma City Thunder, and it's pretty simple. We've seen over and over again teams slip, not know exactly how everything works together when they get a lot of guys back in their first game. Failed to cover. They only beat the Timberwolves by eight in their last time. Out They had Carl Anthony Towns back for the first time, D'Angelo Russell back for the first time. All their talent was back to join Anthony Edwards, who's having a great, great sophomore season. Big improvement out of him on the low. All those guys were back, and they did okay. They beat the Thunder soundly, but they didn't cover the spread. I expect them to be much, much, much more close to full midseason form in this one. And then there's the other side of the coin. The Oklahoma City Thunder have beaten expectations on the season. They've won 13, 15 games somehow. No one quite knows how they've done it. Yet all that said, they've been outscored by six points per game in the first half. Almost all of their success, including the last game, against the spread has been in big, big second halves when first-year coach Mark DeGault, not exactly sure, is new on the scene, but his numbers speak for themselves. The Thunder don't quit. They Their numbers are much, much better than their talent because they've been coming back in second halves, down 20, down 25, lose by eight, lose by five. It's been very, very consistent, much like the Nuggets were with their first half margin so far in this season. I'm going back to a trend that I like. The Timberwolves have outscored teams in the first half by one point per game. They've been at parity in the second half. The Thunder completely the opposite. 67% of their negative margin is attributable to the first half. The, thun- the Thunder against a Timberwolves team that's getting all their guys back will struggle as they usually have in the first half. Lose by three or more, cover the spread, and get us another winner. That is my best bet. Minnesota Timberwolves, minus two, half, minus two and a half Friday night in the first half.
0: My man, it's a hard best bet to argue against. You've got Oklahoma City who has just surpassed Golden State as the second best covering team in basketball and the way that Cleveland is falling fast, the Thunder in two to three games could be the best covering team in the NBA. But in the first half, they're minus five and a half points on the year. That is 28th out of 30. So even if you like Oklahoma City in this game, taking Minnesota in the first half is the smart choice. McKenzie, I love it. But my best bet, I'm going with my second straight ESPN 10 o'clock nightcap. And know that second straight doesn't mean that on last show I went with it. But yesterday, like I mentioned on my socials, I went with the Jazz. They were the 10 p.m. ESPN game. So now I'm going with the Lake Show. Friday night, 10 o'clock Eastern time, that is, on ESPN. Minus two and a half against the Atlanta Hawks. Look, all of a sudden, the L.A. Lakers have won four out of five and have covered Four out of five. This team, don't get me wrong, has been one of the NBA's biggest disappointments this year, but they are going up against an equally huge disappointment in the Atlanta Hawks, who not too long ago, just months ago, were in the Eastern Conference Finals. Right now, the difference between these two teams is that the Lakers are hot and the Hawks are not. LeBron is playing his best ball of the season over the past six or seven games, and frankly, that's all I need to know. To take LeBron's team in a game that is this close to a pick'em. He's playing his best ball. It's a minus two and a half point spread. I'm taking the Lakers, minus the two and a half
1: for my best bet. This was close to making my card as my best bet, supplanting the, the Wolves. It was close. I'm a little hesitant. I'm not sure if I'm gonna bet it because I want to see exactly what the lineups look like. Uh Trey Young should be back, etc. A lot of, I think a little uncertainty. But the reason that I'm, I'm leaning towards your side here is because I had the Kings against the Lakers, and it was, a, it was one of those plinko situations where they ended up losing. There was a terrible ref call. It didn't really matter. It was a 50-50 shot, and they ended up losing. You know, poor baby. But the Kings shot on fire the entire second half from three, and the Lakers were ice cold, and the Lakers still won, and the Lakers still covered, because like you said, LeBron is playing his best ball of the season maybe of the last couple of seasons, as far as scoring the ball. And I'm seeing Westbrook take a little more. Uh, this is probably why they should trade him because they don't need him for this. They could have other guys do this at a more effective role, but he's taking a bit of a backseat, which he should. Uh, he just really can't do much when he's, when he's taking a back seat, which is why they should trade him. But they're, they're, they're figuring out without Davis exactly how they're going to execute their sets. And Malik Monk awoke from his coma I feel like they're going to find the right guys to fit around LeBron, who's scoring the ball unbelievably right now. So don't mind the Lakers minus two and a half at all. I'm going to be looking a little bit deeper into it as far as what the final rosters are like. But hey, man, there's a reason you're 67% on this podcast. You make some sharp points. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I'm impressed by the intelligence that's still in New York State. I haven't been there in a minute, but... Every time I meet anybody in New York, I'm like, you know what? You kind of got some stuff figured out that a lot of people don't. Uh, Impressive stuff. And, uh, hey, man, let's go 2-0 one more time.
0: It's the hustle and bustle of my city, man, but let's do it. 9-5 sounds a whole lot better than 7-5, so go make some money. That's it for Mackenzie Rivers. I'm Joe Sorallo. This has been Episode 7 of the NBA Edition of R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. (laughs)